Welcome to Ride the Line, the greatest podcast in sports betting entertainment. My name is Tanner Kern, certified G, bona fide stud, and you can't teach that. In this right here, this is G Money Grant Mitchell. The playoffs are about to happen in the NFL. We have the national championship game tonight in college football. It's a great time for sports, and we're here breaking it all down for you, and you can't teach that. Bada boom. Man, the people in the room. How you doing, Grant? Are you riding this morning? Riding, Tanner. Got to be riding on the day of the National College Football Championship, the playoff. Everything, the months and months of regular season action, it all builds up to this. And, of course, we got the NFL playoffs starting over the weekend. The best time of the year to be a football fan, no doubt about it. Definitely the best time. We got some really good playoff games coming up this weekend, which we'll be breaking down on the show and obviously talking all about the national championship game today. Uh, Before we get into that, though, make sure you subscribe to WSN. Check out the website, guys. We have a ton of writing content up there as well as video, social, all that good stuff. Make sure you go down the link in the description. All the links are down there. And subscribe to the podcast, too. Share it. We got a lot of good stuff coming in future months. Grant playoffs nfl let's break it down a little bit for a second we had some interesting games last night biggest being the buffalo bills and the miami dolphins bills found a way to win josh allen turned the ball over a million times but they still pulled it out the dolphins are beat up really good situation for the bills going to playoffs really bad situation for the dolphins yeah, so I I wasn't impressed with either one of these teams. If you're the Bills, I mean, look, you you were minus 200 to miss the playoffs about a month and a half ago, and now you've won five straight games, and you got the second seed in the playoffs. So you'll, you'll take that, no doubt about it. I know, Tanner, you have a ticket on the Bills to win the AFC um, and to win the Super Bowl, I believe. I just can't trust them. I mean, yeah, Josh Allen made plays, but he also had three turnovers. He turns the ball over every single game. I just... I can't get behind somebody that's doing that. But I think the even bigger takeaway for me personally is, I mean, Tua was awful. 173 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. Never really looked like he was going to move the ball. And, I mean, this has been the best year of Tua's career, no doubt about it. He was an MVP candidate for a while, almost had a Heisman candidate. MVP candidate throughout most of the season. But as soon as Tyree Kill starts to get banged up and gets injured, can't play, or he comes out in the middle of the games, well, we see his production drop. And, again, Tyreek wasn't at his best yesterday, ended up leaving the game injured late, and Tua just wasn't good. Couldn't even get to 200 yards. Threw that horrendous interception at the end of the game. Got no idea what he was thinking there. He threw it right into double coverage. And if you're the Dolphins, I think Mike McDaniel has proven himself already to be a bit of an offensive genius. You've got tremendous speed and weapons with Tyreek and Waddle and Mostert and Achan. I honestly think you need to consider moving on from Tua. If you're the Do- I just don't think he's the guy. I-, I don't think you can achieve greatness with him. And I think this team with the personnel and the coach you have is set up to achieve greatness. So I think the Dolphins got to consider moving on. Well, it just shows how flawed the Dolphins are when you don't have your weapons and your talent on the field. Like, he was forced that ball in double coverage at the end of the game. Tyreek's hurt. Like, he comes out that play. It really affects what they can do because Tyreek was the only weapon they had vertically down the field. You're throwing to Chase Claypool in that situation. Chase Claypool is the last guy you want to be throwing to with the game on the line in any capacity. Uh, So I agree with that. I don't know if Tua is necessarily the guy. He's had a big year, but he also has a ton of weapons, and weapons make such a huge difference. We talked about this on the show. Like, you take Lamar, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, maybe without the turnovers. Tua, like, you take all these guys and you stick 
giving them the best weapons in the NFL. They're all dangerous quarterbacks, but who can separate themselves when they don't have the talent? Tua obviously didn't do that last night. Josh Allen was playing hero ball out there, making a lot of stupid plays. But still, he came through at the end of the game. Like The upside is very high with him. We were talking before this. But the downside is he's going to turn the ball over a million times, but he's also going to convert on third and 15 with the game on the line using his legs. So, uh, you know, interesting game last night. I think the Bills are positioned very well going to the playoffs because they do get the Steelers now. Then they probably get the Chiefs at home, a beat up Chiefs team. Uh, so it should be interesting there. Um, it was a really good weekend of football and talk about the NFC a little bit, Grant. The NFC. Well, I actually, before we jump into that, I actually did want to talk about one more game from the AFC. I wanted to talk about that winning you're in Texans Colts game. Thought it was a really entertaining game. Uh, my my opinion of I've got CJ Stroud, I've got the best player in the game, and that's the difference, ended up being pretty correct. I felt like Stroud was awesome in that game, and I'm really excited just to see him in the playoffs in general. Um, they get the Browns, is that right? The Texans get yep. the Browns. Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's quite the task you're getting one of the best defenses in the NFL. You do have the benefit of being at home, which I think if you were a Texans fan going into the year saying you're going to be hosting a home playoff game, it wouldn't matter who you're facing. You would absolutely take that. But that's probably the game I'm most excited for in this wild card round, to be honest. How about the Jaguars collapse? They that was, so so the same way the Bills were minus two hundred to to miss the playoffs. The Jags had like a ninety eight percent chance to win the division, not even make the playoffs, just to win the division. And now they're not even there. That that's a total collapse. I think it was minus a thousand to win the division and minus um, ten thousand potentially to like make the playoffs, which is kind of wild. They had to win basically two games out of their final stretch. They couldn't do it. They only won one. And then the other teams needed to win the division too. So I guess you got to credit the Texans there. Looking forward to the Texans-Browns game. I think that's going to be interesting. Chiefs-Dolphins should be interesting. Like there's a lot of really good matchups. Even Bills-Steelers I think could be competitive if the Steelers find a little bit of an offense. But moving in the NFC here, the biggest collapse in the history of sports, in the history of, you know, from last year, this year, I guess, not history, but I hate the Eagles. The Birds, they're despicable. They're a disgrace. What they did against the New York Giants yesterday was pitiful. I had multiple parlays with them involved, thinking they had to get a little win to get in the playoffs. Jalen Hurts breaks his middle finger or whatever. A.J. Brown leaves the game because he's soft. Everyone starts getting hurt, and then this team has nothing. I mean, I don't know if we can say AJ soft and that's why he left. It looked like he's got a knee issue, but I mean, first of all, good old MetLife Stadium, MetLife Stadium and FedEx Field. You want to blow out your ACL or your Achilles? Go play there. That'll, they'll take care of it. But yeah, the Eagles—they've got—they've got real reasons to be concerned. I mean, they were down twenty-four to nothing to the Giants. They have now lost what five of their last six games. You want to be playing your best football going into the into the playoffs. This is the worst football that we've seen them play in years. Um, trying to remember, did they go four and twelve or four eleven and one or something when Jalen took over? This is the worst they've looked since then. You know, even in his first year as the full-time starter, they didn't look this bad. And they've got a really interesting game against the Bucks because as we talked about before, this is a rematch from week two or week three, so some game near the start of the season. Um, but they're playing in Tampa Bay. And honestly, I think I feel like Tampa Bay maybe should be favored, except for the fact Baker's got those rib problems and that has really limited him. I mean, he looked pretty horrendous against the Panthers last week. So the Eagles right now, you can find them at minus two and a half. Probably that, that's probably the correct line. But man, it's tough to have faith in them to do anything right now. I was shocked to see that spread coming at two and a half. I thought it would be even the way they're playing three and a half. 
four and a half, like four and a half, probably high end of it. But uh, it was very surprising to see the Bucks as a two and a half point home underdog. And I like the Bucks in this game. I mean, I, I do root for the Bucks a little bit, but when it comes down to it, Philadelphia is just not a team I can bet on. I mean, you have a chance to come out potentially win the division if the Cowboys lost yesterday. Obviously, that wasn't going to happen. But the biggest thing that they needed to do yesterday was win a game to gain confidence and momentum going to playoffs. And they fell flat on their face. And you could stick AJ Brown out there. You could stick Devontae Smith out there yesterday. It wouldn't have mattered. It, it, they, they just got physically beat up in every facet of the game, especially on defense too. The defense has absolutely no confidence. And early in the season, we saw the offense patch the defense. Now the offense, I think is just totally lost their stride and they know they got to come out and score 40 points to win a football game. They just can't do it. And I, I got to say, um, I'm a little bit happy that this is happening to Nick Sirianni. Uh, he's I don't just, like him. I, I, I don't like him. He's cocky. He's full of himself. And I mean, he's proven himself in in the years past. It looked like he'd proven himself to be a good coach, but it's it's easy to coach when you've got great players and great assistants and everything is going right. The mark of a good coach is overcoming adversity and 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 taking um or hiding the weaknesses of your team and still getting uh, a real product that you can put out there. Like look at Mike Tomlin with the Steelers. He's now 18 years without a losing record as the head coach. This last four or five years, the team has been awful. At least the offense has, and he's still finding a way to get a winning record and make the playoffs. Look at what Shane Steichen did with the Colts. I mean, this is an Eagles assistant last year. He gets his own team. QB one goes out. Not a problem. What we have Gardner Minshew, Jonathan Taylor isn't playing to start the year. Not a problem. Zach Moss is going to lead the league in rushing yards for a little bit. They're missing their whole secondary. They released uh, Shaq Leonard. They released a bunch of other guys. They have Isaiah Rogers get a gambling suspension and they're fine. They, if they were you score on their final drive of the year, which they probably should have, by the way, because that drop was crazy. But as long as they do that, they're into the playoffs. So this is a spot where you're Sirianni and you've still got a supremely talented roster. You're coming off of a Super Bowl run last year. I mean, when you're beating the Chiefs in Arrowhead, you're, you're, you're telling the fans to go F themselves and you're looking for the camera and you're pointing at it and you're saying, I know what the F I'm doing. And all of a sudden, when it gets hard, you, you just collapse. So I'm excited it's happening to him. I want to see him respond. You know, I, it's not like I want him to be fired or anything like that, but I think he deserved the humbling. Well, that was the biggest downfall for him screaming at the fans in Arrowhead because you beat a Chiefs team that just really isn't the same Chiefs team that we've known in years past, but you thought it was at that point. And then you go on to beat the Bills 37-34 in overtime. That was a really good win for them. But a game that Bills had, a, I believe, a double-digit lead down the stretch that they gave away. Yeah. Um, then you go, you lose to the 49ers, you lose to the Cowboys, you lose to the Seahawks, you beat the Giants, you lose to the Cardinals, you lose to the Giants. So you went, since he screamed up in the crowd, he was one, one and one, one and two, one and three, two and three, two and four, two and five since that moment screaming at the crowd. Not a good sign. Not a good sign, but that is the NFL, and we are going to be back talking about the NFL before the wild card gets underway. But here tonight on Monday, we have the college football playoff national championship game between number one Michigan and number two Washington. Now, Tanner and I teased this a little bit last week, but we are here to give some picks. We're going to talk about who we think is going to win, maybe look at the over-under, and we're both going to throw some props out there as well so tanner our analysis the people know what we're thinking but now that we've had time to make a pick who are you taking on monday so this is a hard game to look at in general because you look at washington i think the pac-12 is a lot better than people expected you look at the big 10 it's really not that good outside of a couple teams but michigan dominated pretty much everyone in their path but there's a lot of people saying that michigan 
is an amazing defense and they're going to control the trenches and they might like that's true. But the bottom line is Michigan hasn't seen a team like Washington, where when you look at Washington, they've seen plenty of teams that can move the football better than Michigan this season. So Washington's defense isn't very good, but they've also faced teams like Oregon State, Oregon, uh, teams that can really control clock can throw the ball down the field, can run it. So I'm not super worried about Washington's defense in the spot. I do think they're going to get beat up a little bit like they have all season, but Michael Penix should be able to convert um, against this Michigan defense. It's going to take some time for them to adjust because they have not seen a quarterback like him. I think the closest is uh, uh, Tagovailoa from Maryland, right? It's just, it's not even, you can't even put him on the same playing field as Michael Penix. So I would take plus four and a half for Washington. I believe it's up to five and a half on some books right now. Um, I'm seeing the ESPN line up to five and a half at least. And I think Washington potentially wins this game outright. I believe they win this game outright. It comes down to the first couple of minutes just because if they get a lead, potentially a 10 point lead in this game, like they were able to do uh, against Texas at times, that's going to make the difference because you're going to force Michigan to be uncomfortable and try to do things that aren't really in their game plan. Yeah. So for me personally, I, we're not supposed to say that there are locks in sports betting because they aren't, but a solid line of four and a half, even five and a half. It's about as close to a lock as you're going to find for me in a national championship game because Michigan, they can't move the ball all that well. I, we saw it against Alabama and Alabama's defense is good, but it's not even close to what it's been in the past. It's not like what we've seen from the SEC with the Georgia of the years past or anything like that. And Michigan was kind of lifeless for most of the game. I mean, Blake Corum had that awesome run at the end of the game, sure. But when you're looking at someone like J.J. McCarthy to consistently move down the, the ball down the field and give you explosive plays, that's just not going to happen. And we saw, even in the fourth quarter when Michigan was trailing, what were they doing? They were throwing screens. They were running the ball. They were running between the A and the B gaps in, like the, in the four-minute four drill. And that's just something that – I don't think is going to hold up well against Washington because Washington's going to score points. Now, whether Pettix throws some interceptions or not, because this is going to be the best defense he's faced this season, or at least one of them, we'll wait and see. But he's going to make big plays. I mean, some of the ball placements that he had in that semifinal against Texas was just breathtaking. And so I think that they're going to be able to get up and down the field. So I would 1,000% go with Washington four and a half, but I'm also taking Washington's money line. I, I think this is the game that they win. The one real strength, uh, not the one strength, but the biggest strength of Michigan's defense is they're able to get out after the quarterback, Washington's offensive line was third in pass blocking ranking, according to Pro Football Focus. So they're going to be just fine holding up in the pocket. The one thing they could be gashed in is their run defense. They allowed 180 yards, three touchdowns on only 28 carries to Texas. Obviously, Michigan's got Blake Corum. But again, if you're Michigan and you want to run the ball 30, 40 times, sure, go for it. We'll let you have that. But then we're going to go six plays, 80 yards, and we're going to score a touchdown of our own. So I just don't think this is, this is a style of game that suits up well for Michigan. So I'll be taking Washington. Yeah, the biggest key for Washington is going to be to answer what Michigan does. If Michigan takes 12 plays to go 70 yards in seven, eight minutes, they got to come down and answer right away. They got to keep going because you can't go down two scores. I think the team that goes down two scores first in this game potentially loses. Now, Washington playing from behind is in better shape than Michigan playing from behind because Michigan's not really a, a gunslinging team with J.J. McCarthy. But should be an interesting game here. I really like Washington with the points. I do believe they find a way to win this game outright. I don't trust Michigan. But again, if Michigan came out, dominated the game and really ran the ball well and didn't Washington didn't have an answer, it, it wouldn't be the most surprising thing in the world for me either. 
So looking at the over under here, we've got a total on this game of 56 and a half. You can break it down to different quarters and halves if you want, but 56 and a half for the total game there. I don't know about you. I This line was a little bit higher than I was expecting, but even though I'm saying that, I'm probably still going to be going with the over. I think if you're Washington, if you're a Washington better, you almost do have to go over because you're expecting they're going to be able to score points. And if you know Michigan finds themselves in a situation where it's halftime and Washington already has 21, 28 points. You're thinking, oh, my God, we haven't seen anything like this. J.J. McCarthy comes out in the second half. He throws the ball, probably throws an interception or two. But I just think it's a game that suits up well for more points being scored. Yeah, this one comes down to if you like Washington, you take the over. If you like Michigan, you take the under. If you like Michigan, it means they're going to control clock, keep Michael Penix off the field, and keep the scoring down. If you like Washington, this kind of needs to be a shootout. This needs to be a game where it's going back and forth and each team's answering. So I would take the over there. If you're on Washington, I'm on Washington riding with the over. Yep. And then some player props here as well. I know we were talking about a couple in pre-production. You've got the lines up. I'm in a state that doesn't allow college prop betting. Um, So if you want to go ahead and read some of the lines off, go for it. So we're looking at a few in this game. Me and Grant had similar ideas here. Michael Penix Jr.'s line is up to 293 and a half, 292 and a half best line on FanDuel, but MGM's 297 and a half. We're both on the over there. Again, I think Michael Penix needs to go over this line for them to have a chance in this football game because Michigan's going to dominate the trenches. I don't see Washington running the football that well in this game. And then also to parlay that too, if you're looking at his over, you kind of need to look at all the receivers overs as well. Dunze's at 89 and a half, McMillan's 59 and a half, Polk's 49 and a half. So all three of these guys got to have big nights. Probably starts with Odunze um, at 89 and a half. I like him to go over the most, but I'm liking a lot of overs for Washington. If you like Washington as well tonight, I suggest looking at prop overs because they go under. It's going to be a long night for the Huskies. Yeah, Dylan Johnson, um, he's maybe the one player that I would look at for an under in this spot on his rushing yards. And I'm not saying to bet it, but just I would be the least bullish on his over. Reason being, Michigan's got an awesome defensive line, and he's had a foot problem for most of the season. He, uh, I can't remember if they carted him off or he limped off, but the point is he came off injured in the Texas game. He's going to be out there. He's going to tough it up, but I'm not expecting him to be super productive running the ball. But to your point, I mean, over on Penix passing yards, he just threw for 430 in the semifinal, averaging like 320 per game. Yeah, Michigan gives up the fewest yards per game, but again, they've not played anybody close to this caliber. And then Roma Dunzi, he's he's got 100-plus receiving yards in five straight games, looking like he's going to be a top-10 pick in the NFL draft. He's Penix's favorite target. You would probably go with his over as well. Yeah, I'd go with him. And then if you're looking at a Michigan guy – Got to be Blake Corum over 101 and a half for his rushing yards. A sneaky play, if you believe it, I think would be J.J. McCarthy over 203 and a half. If you think Washington can potentially get up in this game, they're going to be forced to throw the football. Washington does not have a good secondary statistically, but they're also playing in the Pac-12 where pretty much every team can throw the football down the field too. Um, but I don't hate J.J. McCarthy over 203 and a half, especially if this game plays out like I expected to or Washington finds a way to go up early. I would actually like that. I like McCarthy's over more than I like Corum's over. I mean, Corum only has two games this season where he rushed for more than 100 yards. And again, this is going to be a high scoring game, in my opinion. And so I think JJ McCarthy, whether I would also look at McCarthy's rushing yards, too, if you can find it. I think this is a game that's the the ball is going to have to be in his hand. Not that Michigan necessarily wants it to be, but I think you're going to see Michigan under a lot of pressure from that Washington offense. And in that situation, you got to give it to your quarterback. So, yeah, I would look at the over on McCarthy's passing yards for sure. McCarthy's rushing 22 and a half. 
Yeah, he can do that. I mean, that's not McCarthy's mobile. You know, he, I mean, he's not he's not Lamar Jackson, but he can get out of the pocket and run. He's not afraid to do that. He's just not he he's not someone that's going to go out and win the football game for you tonight. Like Michael Penix, I can put this game on and say go win it for me. I can't do that with JJ McCarthy, and that's like like in big games and big championship spots, you want a quarterback that you can go out and trust to say, hey, go win this game for me. Yeah, I 100% agree, and it goes back to the pick of Washington. I, I just think Penix. This this is how I see the game going. So Michigan obviously tries to slow it down. They they want to get to third down and short, pick up a first down and keep the drive going. They want a 10-minute drive that runs 15-plus plays. And then if you're Washington, I mean, you've got an awesome head coach. You've got great coordinators, NFL talent at your receiver positions, maybe a top-five draft pick, a quarterback. I think they just start zooming up and down the field. And then again, you see Michigan in – unfamiliar circumstances that defense has been the best in the country and all of a sudden they're going wait a minute we we can't stop these guys and if you're Harbaugh now you're panicking you say we can't we can't run Blake Corum 30 times now we got to let JJ throw it and then he throws an interception and Washington's in short field I just think it's I, I styles make fights and that's all it is and I think Washington is set up well so if we go back to 2020 here let's this is the we can end on this if you go back to 2020 Michael Penix at Indiana was facing Michigan, I believe. No, not, not 2020, 2019. There was a game in Michael Penix's career where he faced Michigan where he absolutely lit them up. Uh, let's see if we can find what game it was. I think 2019. Uh, no. we, we really should have had this prepared, shouldn't we, huh? Yeah, but I mean, it makes it more fun to look at it now. Twenty twenty. Hey, let's let's go twenty twenty. Let's try twenty twenty. Let's see here. <laughs> Our poor listeners—they're just listening to us googling. I got it. I got it. Two thousand twenty versus number twenty-three Michigan. Indiana yep. wins thirty-eight to twenty-one. Michael Penix goes thirty of fifty for three hundred forty-two yards, three touchdowns. It was worth the wait. That's all I'll say to the people. It was worth it was worth the wait. There you go. If you don't think Michael Penix can throw on Michigan, that was the Aiden Hutchinson defense too. Yep. And so I, they're, I mean, they're not ranked number one there, but they are ranked twenty third. Um, they were, what were they? They were one and one going into that game. It was the third game of the season. I'll just say, people that think Michigan's defense is unstoppable, Michael Penix has a lot of confidence coming to this football game. Yeah, and I mean, he should. He's also. How old is this guy? This is his sixth year 20, of college. 25, so, maybe? Yeah, 24, 25, something like that. But he's experienced. Um, this is, you know, I know he's never been on this sort of stage necessarily, but he was sensational against Texas. He's not going to get bothered by the bright lights. And then one more thing, too. I do think all the disrespect that Washington has received over the course of this season in the course of the playoff, like nobody believes they can, like not nobody, but the media does not believe they can win this game. There's a lot of people that are counting them out. There's a lot of people that count them out during Texas, um, and they found a way. So that's just another thing going for them. Damian Lillard's buying them freaking clothes and Adidas gear now. They're good. They're ready to go. They are ready to go. I'm excited for this one. It's going to be a good game. And, guys, we're going to be back here on Wednesday, obviously, to break it down. But hopefully we have some good news. Hopefully we are right. Yeah, hopefully we're right. Hopefully Washington finds a way to win, guys. We're going to talk about the AFC and the NFC playoff picture, figuring out how we're going to do that for the coming shows. But we'll have one on Wednesday and one on Friday. So get ready for some NFL playoff action on those. And, Grant, you can take us out of here. 
That's going to do it for another episode of Ride the Line. Everybody, get in the comment section and let us know who wins this game, who is going to become the college football national champions. Like the video if you enjoyed, and we will see you all on the next episode of Ride the Line.